So I want to welcome you this morning, this bright Sunday, Father's Day morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama to River Church. And uh, we are here ministering and receiving the Word of God. And I want to speak on Father's Day this morning concerning the men, the men that have fathered children. The Word says in chapter 4 of 1 Corinthians, in verse 15, Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said, For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. So I'm going to exhort you in broadcast to put on the spirit of a father. It's real easy to procreate. The challenge is to father. Just because you were there at conception doesn't make you a father. That all false. It's real easy to do that, but I'm going to exhort you to not just be an instructor, not, not run the line, the minimum, but to do what Paul says. You have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet not many fathers. I want to be a father in the faith. How about you? I want to be a father. Now, that, that's, now that's genderless when you do that. We were talking about the gender, but now to be a father in the faith or a mother in the faith, however you want to say it, is so, so powerful. So I'd like for you this morning to turn to the book of Ecclesiastes. We are still ministering, can you believe it, on uh, the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. Could I have a better amen? Hallelujah. The uncommon man and the exceptional woman. We'll take a pause here for everybody to find Ecclesiastes. I think it's right after Proverbs, chapter 10. Ecclesiastes is a book of wisdom. It's written by Solomon. But in chapter 10, look at this. Let me just tell you why we're ministering this subject right now. Let me tell you why we're ministering the subjects that we minister on. We're quite different in our approach, as it were. We're here to strengthen. And in the strengthening, even if you're not born again, you'll want to be. You'll want this life. So we're, we're uh, highlighting the excellent life we have in the Lord Jesus. You may not feel like hell's a real place. You may not feel like heaven's worth giving your life to Jesus. But then you'll find that there's so much more than just heaven or hell. It's a great life now. Yeah. And so we're, we're highlighting the things of God. And, and it says in verse 10, if the iron be blunt, and I believe it's talking about an axe here. If the iron be blunt and he do not wet the edge, sharpen the edge, then must he put to, must he put to more strength. But wisdom, look, look, here's the... Here's the, the simile. But wisdom is profitable to direct. So it, 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 it tells us that preparation is important in life. I looked it up in the New Living. It says using a dull axe requires great strength. So sharpen the blade. That's the value of wisdom. It helps you succeed. So this morning, and every time we get together, we sharpen the blade. 
You're born again. You're going to heaven. There's no, there's no plan B or, or small place for you if you don't go to church. There, there's nothing like that. We're going to all be right there on the front row of heaven because we have the blood of Jesus, because we've received him and we, we are a child of God. We've been refathered from above. But what about now? What about living here on the earth? Life is very troubled for most people. They take their lives in great quantity. People are committing suicide because they cannot bear life. Wow. It's not a hard thing. It's a great thing. Amen. So when we step over, when we step over to heaven, we're not going to say, wow, this is just so different than earth. Oh, we've been living by faith for years. We're just going to step over and there won't be a devil, but we have power over the devil here and there won't be sickness, but... By his stripes we were healed, and there won't be any poverty over there, but he was made poor that we through his poverty might be made rich. Sin shall not have dominion over us, so certainly. And you go, well, God will be there. Well, God's here. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He abides within forever. So it, it is an exalted place. The main thing is, is there won't be a devil, and you won't have to get in faith to live above him and the curse and the flesh. But this is pretty much how it's going to be without those pesky gnats and flies flying around the devil. Amen. So um, I want to talk about uh, just for a little bit. I, I want this to work for you. I don't want you just to come to church and, or, or tune in and blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Uh, and say it's just it's just preaching. It's just whatever. I want this to impact you. Not to exalt me, but I, I pour my whole life into getting it right for Sunday morning and Wednesday night. I, I, I hardly do anything for the last three days of the week. Thursday is my best day because I just came out of Wednesday, and Friday and Saturday aren't there yet. So Thursday, I, I might do anything, uh, but Friday and Saturday, I'm in, getting ready for this moment in time, to get ready for this moment in time. So I think the Lord prepares me to prepare you and that he gets all the glory. Amen. So we said that an uncommon man and the exceptional woman have at least 10 distinctions. That's all. I would have thought it was just six until I heard the seventh. And I thought it was eight until I heard the ninth. So I was finished last week, told Deborah Ann, I'm done. Jesus is Lord is the last one. But this week, while I was just meditating, I heard the Lord speak a word to me. And so we, uh, I'll tell you what that is. So the uncommon man, the exceptional woman, is fixed on the promises of the word. Fixed. He thinks big in small places. That's not, that's not common. Uh, he lives a life of honor. If you can, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the can. That's not us. We're uncommon. Number four, we live humbly even while being uncommon and exceptional. We don't, tra we don't give it anything. We don't trade off anything. Number five, we do hard things. Yeah. I found a scripture that I wish I'd have used in that message that says endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Yeah. We don't just endure, we're looking for hard things. Number six, we're always happy. Even in persecution, even in strife, we rise above the fray. We're thankful in a thankless world. The uncommon man, the exceptional woman, is thankful. And I'm telling you, I'm more and more and more 
I'm getting more thankful. I'm, I'm turning from being critical or certainly unthankful to being thankful. Uh, the uncommon man is always ready. He's always ready. I said that about Thursday. That's kind of my, that's kind of my day off in the week. I'm, it's not true, really. I'm getting ready. Are you getting ready? Just like the testimony we heard this morning. That testimony was based on being ready. It wasn't like, I got a book in my purse that'll speak to this. I wonder what chapter that, we were ready. So thank you, Melissa. But we all have that testimony. We're ready. We're ready. And this morning, uh, in number nine, Jesus is the Lord of his whole life, whole life, whole life. That's the uncommon man, not just going to heaven part, but their whole life. When nobody's looking, Jesus is Lord. And lastly, the word he put in my heart this week was settled. And I believe the uncommon man, the exceptional woman, is settled in his and her heart. Settled. Say with me. Settled. So if you would turn to 1 Kings. Who's been in 1 Kings this week accidentally? Hallelujah. 1 Kings chapter, let's go to chapter 8. Settled. Settled. Now I can't even tell you where to look for 1 Kings. You just find 2 Kings and do the best you can. 1 Kings chapter 8. I hope you have a marker of some kind. I hope you mark in your Bible. We'll have a little prayer session after the service. If you don't have enough money to have a marked up Bible, I will believe God with you to get one. It says in verse 13, I have surely built thee a house to dwell in, a settled place for thee to abide in forever. I have built thee a house to dwell in, in a settled place. A settled place. So here we see that it's in the word to be in a settled place. Do you know how many people are not settled this morning in one or 72 different dimensions of their life? They're unsettled. Um, Psalm 119.89 says, Oh, forever, Lord, forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Cool. That he would put us being settled in the same bracket, the same word as his word being settled, unchallengeable, uncompromised, undeniable. I looked up what the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for settled means, and it means a foundation and habitation. So if we plug that in, he said, I've given you a, a, a foundation place for thee to dwell in. I've given you a habitation place, not just passing through, you know, like, like we talk about, a hit and run. It's where we've settled. In the New Testament, we, we look at a scripture in Colossians 1.23. I'll just read it to you. It says, if ye continued in the, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled. Look at that. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard. Settled. Not moved. Settled. The New Living says you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Settled. Don't drift away. Settled. Now you being settled this morning, I hope you are, 
may not realize how many people are not settled about the word. That you can get into a big discussion about the word of God not being settled. That not every part of it is inspired or it has a different meaning or, you know, we're misreading it about healing or being filled with all sorts of ma manner. But God says it's settled with him. We're way ahead when we get it settled. The New Testament uh, word settled, list it means it means steadfast and immovable. So if we look at that, if you continue in the faith grounded and steadfast or grounded and immovable, are you immovable this morning? Are you settled? Are you settled in your life? Are you have you have you wrestled the alligator? So it be or in the case of uh, of uh, Jacob, where he wrestled the angel. Until he got settled. He was unsettled. He was double-minded. He was, he was thinking about this and thinking about that. Have you ever been in that place? Sometimes it's in a restaurant just looking at the menu. You ever been with people that can't, they can't get settled? Well, well, well. Well, you eat it with a fork. It goes in the mouth and you taste it and it swallows and it's done. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, yeah, we want that chomp chomp. But uh, nobody eats, chews on stuff more than four or five seconds. It's not that big of a deal. Get settled. That's what I want to tell them. Amen. So um, I noticed, and I'm sure you do, that people are in one of two categories. They're, they're hung between being settled, having a foundation, being steadfast and faithful, and being uncertain. You ever been uncertain? Which way do I go? Do you remember the feeling that you had when you weren't settled? Should we move? Should we change? Should we buy this? Should we? It's, it's not good. We want out of that feeling. Remember, we want to settle it. Men go into stores and, and she picks up a, a blouse or something. He said, that looks good. Let's go. <laughs> she said, well, I got six more stores to look at and then we'll come back and get this one. But the man, he, he settled. This, it, it's, I can handle that, and it looks good, and let's go. So that's a little bit of a difference between us. Uh, an unsettled, people are hung in, and they, the, another word for unsettled would be unresolved. They have conflict in their life or a decision to make, and they don't make the decision. They can't come to terms with it. Maybe they don't know the word. Maybe they just... Uh, I have a childhood dream that they're going to always have this, but now they're older, and it's just a, con it's a conflict in their life, and it's unresolved. Now, how many of y'all remember we don't like that feeling either? Right. We don't, we're not saying, boy, I wish I could be unresolved about a couple of things. Gosh, we, we despise that because we were made to be settled. We were made to be established. We were made to be committed to a course. We were made to have a habitation. Turn with me to Exodus, if you would, chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. This is the uncommon man. This is the exceptional woman. They are settled. Are you settled this morning? Praise God. Well, I, th I said I was settled too, but then I realized, even though I'm mostly settled, there's still a couple of areas in my life that are not settled. Uh, I won't go into them, you know, but I can tell you, I, sometimes I feel like this is, this is what I'm going to do. Yes, this is right. And sometimes I say, man, I'd like to trade this thing off and get, a, and get something else. 
And you go, that's wrong. That's just, you can't, it's wrong. Exodus chapter 3, look in verse 17. Uh, it says, uh, God said, I have said I will bring you out of the affliction of Egypt into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Prezerites and the Hivites or Hivites and the Jebusites. It was a tough neighborhood. Unto <laughs> a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice. And thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, into the king of Egypt. And ye shall say, this is when they're in Egypt still, ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of, he of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee, three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt, listen to the Lord, and I am sure the king of Egypt will not let you go, no, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders, which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that, he will let you go. Does that sound pretty assured? Like God kind of knows what's going to happen. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow. The word there is actually demand or ask shall borrow of her neighbor and all of her that sojourneth in her house. Jewels of silver. Wow, wow, we're going from slavery to jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And ye shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. The word spoil there means to strip off. Uh, it means to snatch away. So God's saying here, there's some Hivites and Canaanites and Perizzites and all those Hites. They're there. But I've got a place for you. I've got a plan for you. And here's how it'll go down. Now, as soon, as soon as the ten plagues came and Pharaoh didn't move, that verified what God said. Is that right? God said, hey, he's not going to let you go. But I'll, I'll, put a, I'll put a smacker on him. Number ten will be... I'll give him an, uh, an offer that he can't refuse. And then after they saw that the Egyptians gave them all this stuff, they should have left the land saying, God told it right then. I bet he tells it right the rest of the way. I bet he, I bet he has planned the whole thing out and just didn't hit a lucky one. Turn with me to Numbers. Slip over to the east uh, just a little bit. Numbers chapter 13. Now, you know this story, but this is, this is chapter 2 of, uh, of God telling them what's going to happen. I mean, he told them what's going to happen. Has the Lord told you anything that's going to happen? I don't mean an audible voice. I don't mean scratching it on the wall. Has he told you what's going to happen? Yes. Has he told you by his stripes ye were healed? He told you that. Well... How do we know it's true? Because a thousand and sixty-one things that he also told you came to pass. We've proved him now herewith. We've proved him. I'm telling you, I've road tested God. I've given him lots of chances to just blow it and say, you know, I misspoke when I wrote that down. That was a little out there. I, I, could, you back, could you give me a little jerky back? No, every time and every way, he's always done it. In... Uh, in Numbers chapter 13, look at verse 26. 
So here they are. They're going into the land of promise. They finally got over there, got through the Red Sea, got through the manna, uh, got through the gripers. And uh, in verse 26, it says, uh, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of, would you like to say Paran, Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation, and showed them the fruit of the land. My, my, my. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it floweth with, say it with me, milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Doggone. They, God gave them a map, and everything was right where he said it would be. Nevertheless, 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 the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The children of the family of Anak is the family of the giants. Goliath was an Anakonite or whatever. He, he was one of those boys. And he had several brothers that were just like him. Well, David slew one of them, but he wasn't the only. So the children of Anak dwell there, he said. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites. Well, hello, get the message. Didn't God already say? Yeah, there's some folks over there already. They dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses. Apparently there was quite a hubbub. And said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Say settled. But the men that went up with him, that would be ten boys, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Unsettled. Can you say it with me? Unsettled. And they brought up an evil report. Now, it's just one thing to offer your opinion and to say, yeah, it's going to be a little tough. We're going to have to get out the big sword and the big cannon. But they brought up an evil report. Now, I want you to notice here that God considers a report of unbelief. When he tells you something and you see it, he verifies it. You have testimonies of it happening to other people. They got healed. They got blessed. We, we hear them all the time. And then we say, he won't do it. He won't do it. It won't happen. God says that's an evil report. Did y'all log that in? An evil report. And uh, uh, of the land, they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature, and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of, the, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And then here's a little speculation, we say. And so were we in their sight. A little embellishment, you know, just to frost the other side of the cake. Praise God. So, there's a choice. The people are unsettled. They're looking to the 12 spies to settle them down. Because they didn't go in and do what they were asked to do. They were just asked to see, is this the right land? Is this the land that flows with milk and honey? Is this the land that we can look at and see the fruit in it? 
That's what their job was. And maybe he told them, he said, well, you'll come to some walled cities and we need to know which side the gate's on. Because we're going to blow the gate up. Or whatever. They weren't supposed to talk about the giants and the walled cities. Moses already told them it was there. God had already told them there. It wasn't like they didn't know what the Canaanites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites were. They're a fierce people. All of them were heathen, pagan people. None of them were having tea parties in the afternoons. And so it wasn't like, well, that surprises me. They all knew who these people were because God told them they're there, and they understood who they were when God told them these people are there. And they go, yeah, I know those people. Are you all with me? God knew they were there, but he also said, Land that flows with milk and honey. So there's an assumption here. There's an assumption that if God tells you that there's a blessing for your life, that it means it's going to be no trouble or no pushback or no conflict to get it. That is the mistake. And it is quite the mistake to think, well, God sent me. And we have a therefore after that. And the, the therefore is often lethal. That you think, well, God says, by stripes I'm healed. He didn't mention this other stuff. He didn't mention that uh, I've supplied all your need. He didn't mention that it would uh, take some pressing through. He said, it is a land that flows with milk and honey. It is that land. And I have given it unto you. Well, you reckon if God was that smart to tell him all this other stuff that he figured out that we could whoop them if they stood up and said, you can't take our land, our milk and our honey, that God already said, I knew they'd do that, just like he knew the king, the Pharaoh, wouldn't do it until he got to the 10th plague. He knew, God said, I know, he won't do it. But he will, he will, and he did. You reckon he knew the Perizzites couldn't stand up? We don't know how he's going to have us go in and take the land. We just know that the land that flows with milk and honey has been given unto us, and there's some folks there that have their name on the property down at the courthouse, and they're not going to give it up easy. Are you all with me here? We're talking about the uncommon man and the exceptional woman. We have to think right. We have to know the promises, but know that there's a real devil that has been set against you to deny you the real covenant. And you've got to know that. Why is it that Christians don't know that? Why is it that when they have a child that dies or a business that folds or they get fired from their job, that they say, well, God, what? he's not faithful. That's an evil report. And he doesn't much take to it. Now, he's real tough skin, though. He just pays no attention to that. But it's hard to get in faith about it when you're telling God, you are a sorry little scamp. I mean, nobody would, but they do. It's just in another language. Proverbs 28. Well, let me say this first. There was two that were settled. Y'all remember the 12 spies? Two were settled and 10 were unsettled. And yet he told them, go in and possess the land. He didn't say, yeah, they know you're coming. They got the welcome wagon out for you, the neighborhood uh, welcoming people, and they're, they're going to show you where the best land is and where the... No, he said, you'll have to possess the land. It's not empty. Well, I'm telling you, family, 
you got to possess the land. And there's going to be symptoms in your body after you pray the prayer of faith. Often, I mean. There's going to be a day or 16 that when you believe you receive, when you pray, your, your bill's paid. That there's a system. There's a possessing of the land. But the uncommon man says, we got this. The exceptional woman says, ah, pay no attention to that. He's good for it. He's good for it. But the common man starts crying and carrying on, saying, well, there's big boys over there. and They're, ha- they're hiding behind walls. God's not impressed, and your faith won't work. In Proverbs 28, 20, let me, just, let me read this to you. The Bible says, you know this one, the faithful man will abound with blessings. Say it with me. The faithful man will abound with blessings. Well, I wonder what that word faithful means. That's what I was wondering. And so I looked it up, and it means firmness. The firm man will abound with blessings. Sounds like he's settled. It means stability. The stable man will abound with blessings. It means steady. The steady man, the settled man, the settled woman will abound with blessings. Now that's what the Bible says. He says faithful, but it means these other things as well. And so... There's a lot of people that are not settled about their born-again experience. And if you're brought up in a church that doesn't preach the, the uh, what do you call it, the security of the believer, you just never know, you know, if you've crossed the line. You, you did something, you thought something, you didn't do something. Well, you might be going to hell. And if you do these things, and they have a list of them, if you do this, if, if you divorce somebody and remarry, you sure enough going to show up down there. It's over for you. It does not matter that you were at the soup kitchen and you gave into the needy children fund. You're down. And so these people are unsettled. They're always, that feeling that I was talking about a while ago when, you, when you're unsettled, that's what they have all day, every day, wishing or hoping they could go to heaven, but not sure. It's a terrible feeling. Do you all realize how rotten most people feel a lot of people feel now i was raised in a denomination that taught that they taught i mean that taught that we have security and it really doesn't matter they said there's a new birth and all thing old things have passed away it wasn't a, a judgment call like a horse race you know well we have we have blue blood he's coming around the bend oh no red, red dog is ahead of him now it's it, that's the way they call life but in God, you just, you just get on your horse and he says, the winner! <laughs> you won! Well, I hadn't run my race yet. Ah, you won. Do y'all realize that's how it is? You won. Well, what's the race for? Well, to see how life is. But it doesn't matter how life is. I'm going to heaven. I've been refathered from above. And that's the end of it. But if you don't know that, you've been in church, you've you have a Bible, you've been with people that pray, and you mess up, and you mess up, there's no security, and you have an unsettled feeling. So we could just thank Jesus right now that we don't live in certain towns in Alabama and Mississippi and New Mexico, and then we could also thank him that we have security. We are born again. Didn't mean to, didn't mean to disparage y'all, but there's little towns in, in all of those places. So, uh, people, do y'all know anybody that's unsettled in their marriage? Whoa, 
just stepped into a big hole, unsettled in their marriage. I wrote down that they're not really looking, they're not really looking for better people, but they're so unsettled they can't get happy in the people they've got. I mean, it doesn't matter what she looks like or how much money he brings home or how, how, what a good daddy he is. It doesn't matter. They're just unsettled. And stuff is rough when you're living with an unsettled person. Don't be one. You're hard to live with. But they're, 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 uh, they're upset. They, you don't know what's going on at the office with him, and you don't know where she's going when she takes long. That sort of mess that... Elvis Presley called it suspicious minds. You know, that's from being unsettled, from not being grounded, not having a habitation, not being steadfast. And it's happening in many, do y'all believe this? Many marriages are propped up, and one or both of them are unsettled. And it's tough. You know how that unsettled feeling feels. Well, that's the way they are. They, they sleep with him or her all night and then run around all day with them trying to negotiate and they're not having fun. They're not having a big time. It's what you get when you're settled. When you look her in her baby blues and say, baby, I married you, and that's how it's going to be till one of us goes to be with Jesus. That's settled. Well, what if I run around with Billy Bob? It won't matter. I'll shoot Billy Bob, and then everything will be fine. <laughs> so we're going to settle it. <laughs> Remove the temptation. Yeah. Turn with me to James chapter 1. <laughs> James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Let's, let's talk about being settled. I'm talking about the uncommon man. I'm talking about the exceptional woman. There's characteristics, there's traits that are developed, that are reached for, that are pulled on. They don't just happen because you got up and, and you're in a happy mood because of the breakfast she made you. It's, we're not talking about that. We're talking about things that we put on. We choose excellence. We choose excellence. Not just one time or six. But we choose it every time it's offered to us against something that's not excellent. Even though there's a price, even though there's a cost, even though there's often suffering to choosing excellence, we choose it. And the Bible tells us when you choose that consistently, you become an uncommon man. You become the exceptional woman. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about going to heaven here. We're not talking about whether God likes you or not or loves you or not or will help you or not. We're talking about you and who you are can God use you? He's looking for the uncommon. He's looking for the exceptional. That's who he's looking for. Now, he'll take anybody, but they can't last. They, they, the, the unfaithful man will not abound with blessing. Because he's not in his place. God pours out the blessings and says, he was just there. Where is he? Ah, he's gone for a day or six. But he poured the blessing out there. It says in James chapter 1, it says in verse 6, But let him ask nothing wavering. Say wavering. wavering. Oh, let him ask nothing, nothing, nothing. No wavering. Why? Because for he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. So the wave is seen and the wind is felt. 
And so he's everywhere. All of his emotions, all of his senses are wrecked. For let not that man, do not expect that that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. I think we could say uh, here that an unsettled man is unstable in all his ways. So guess what? I got to get settled. I got to deal with some stuff that's just dancing around the edge. Not really, you know, whether I'm going to go to work and it's not really whether I'm going to divorce her or, or not really whether I'm going to whatever, get a boat when we can't afford a bicycle. It's not, we're not dealing with that. We're just talking about, I'm going to settle the edges. I got, the, I got the core right, but the edges are just flippity-floppity. You know, he, he's got a big boat or a big, a big cabin or something that, and I'm not against that. I'm not saying I'm preaching against that. I'm just saying he can't be happy. She can't be happy with what she's got because she's always unsettled and wants to go somewhere else, do something else. Unsettled. Well, this is a good boy, or he used to be, but I'd like to get me like Jolene's husband. Now, that's a good man. I wonder if he's happy. You go, that doesn't happen. Sure it does. Yeah, there you go. What have you done for me lately? And so those lives are wrecked. Let's just say it's wrecked. Because a man cannot, that cannot think he shall receive anything of the Lord, you're unsettled and you're a wreck. If you're a Christian, we gotta have, we got to have hope that we got access, that, w- that our prayers avail much, that we, he, 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 uh, he's a very present help in time of trouble. We, we got to have that or we're wrecked on the inside. We got to have something that says, this is tough, but God will. God will. You know, I, I, and if you have no hope in that, you're looking for a bridge to jump off of, metaphorically speaking, or otherwise. Uh, people are either settled or they're not. Now, that doesn't mean your whole life is settled or your whole life is unsettled. You could be settled in your job, settled with your marriage, or settled uh, and be unsettled about your life in church or your life with the Word. Do you all know any Christians like that? They're the best. I'm telling you, some of the best so-called not Christians people, they're not Christian. They're better than Christians. They act better. They're more moral. They're, they're more astute in their marriage. I could name you several so-called denominations that I don't know if they're Christian or not, but they're out there. They're very moral because they live under the law. And you break the law, you're going down, son. Well, we don't live under that. We live under grace. So we're not looking for God to whack us and smack us when we mess up. The word wavereth, I, this, is, this is the definition I like the best, means to withdraw. It implies you're in, but you got out. That there was a previous station of stability, of habitation, of steadfastness, but you changed your mind. Isn't that what wavereth means? That he was steady, he was in, but he wavered. He, he went to the other side. He didn't stay steady. He didn't stay settled. It means to decide, to hesitate. It means to contend. 
You know those people that are always arguing with their own life? Maybe you've argued with your own life. They call it a midlife crisis in uh, certain instances. It says, I, what's going on with him? He's this and he's crazy and he's dressing this way and he's wanting to go do that and he wants to buy this. Y'all may think I went through a midlife crisis. I promise you I did not. I did not. I just uh, said, I've got this red pickup and I want that red pickup. And I just said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to notch that off. I may sell it next year. I may, I don't know what, but it doesn't matter. I wasn't in crisis when it happened. I'm just here to report to y'all in the family. I did not go through a crisis. That's what other people do, but I did not. You may, or may not believe that. Uh, it means to doubt. It means to stagger. He that staggers. Remember Abraham? It says he staggered not at the promises of God. Wavering is staggering. The Passion Version says, For the ambivalent person believes one minute and doubts the next. Ambivalent. I like that word. There's a couple of times in my life I got to use it. I knew what it meant, but they didn't. Hallelujah. Well, let me tell you about my life. And I don't want to bore you with it, but I will just t testify. I'll testify. When the Lord said to move to Alabama... I don't know if y'all think it's a big deal or not, but I had a happy church. It was, it was good-sized for, for West Texas anyway. And uh, for a year, I wasn't looking. We weren't unhappy. We weren't testing the waters here and see if we could make a deal going there. He, he fell into us. We were happy, and, and I told the people, we will be here the rest of our lives. We like it here. We and all her family, my family were there and everything. And the Lord started nudging, and we started getting this scratchy feeling, this gravelly feeling inside. And we weren't welcoming it, but it wouldn't go away. And we tried. We said, ah, when we get back off this trip, we're going to bear down, and we're going to preach this, and we're going to do better that, and we're going to, you know, but it wouldn't go away. We thought it was natural, but it wouldn't go away. And so, but one thing we did is we settled it before we left West Texas. And what I mean by that is we never believe that the land that flows with milk and honey is Alabama and that it will be easy, that there won't be any giants there. And I want to tell you, I could write a little book and tell you a story about the giants in Alabama. I've seen them all. I've wrestled with most of them. And uh, financially and, and uh, f uh, physically, uh, I, I think I've been through it all. Family-wise, my family... Well, I can't say that on. They still wish I was there. How about if I say that? And so I never, but, but I was steady. We settled it before we came. And it didn't matter what happened in Alabama. It didn't matter what happened. We weren't moved by anything. Nothing. We didn't say, did we make a mistake? Because we settled it. We didn't say, well, did God say this would be better and easier? We settled it. You've got to settle it. So many people launch out. They, they hear from God to move into a church, to, to move their family into a church, but they don't hear from God to leave. They hear from God to marry her, but they don't hear from God to leave, but they have feelings. And all of a sudden, they put those feelings on the same par as their spirit man, and all of a sudden, a lower standard for leaving or being uns un un uh, unsettled ends up, 
And they don't feel like the pastor's this or the church is that or my children are getting this. And so they have, but God said, I know, I know what's in the promised land. I know the walled cities. I know the giants. Well, when he told you to move to another church or to marry that girl, he never said, there won't be any Perizzites in there. They're there. When you marry her, she, they're there. Because you get all her in-laws. You get all your in-laws then. Y'all know the drill. <laughs> so uh, we settled it. Now, I'm going to tell you something that's amazing. We never, never, not once doubted we were supposed to be in Alabama. And I, I wouldn't bar you with all the details, but they're extensive. But they're just like your story. And uh, we knew that our faith would attract opposition. We knew there were walled cities here and giants. And it mattered none. And I've had lots of emotions. Lots of emotions over these 25 years. And they are all just that. They are nothing. They are a pesky fly. And then when I was in Trustful, the Lord told us. Now, this is, this is the speaking voice of God. He said, move to Tuscaloosa, plant your family there, and stay the rest of your days. Now, if that's true, that is so settling that you never have room to flinch. When I went to Hoover for a little while, I violated that word, and I became unsettled. Now, I, I jerked my head back on and got straightened, got, went back, but, but uh, that's the closest I've come to de deviating. And I wasn't leaving Tuscaloosa. I, we were just going to do it all and was going to raise up somebody here to do that there. It wasn't like I was tired here and going there. But, but I'm telling you, we never flinched one time when God said, move to Tuscaloosa. And we've never, except for that little, that little three-month thing, which doesn't really count, we've never said, I wonder what else is out there. We don't even look. It's like being happily married. You just don't look. And we don't look. So I, if you stay here, I would say the word of the Lord was, is you're stuck. Because <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not flinching. I am settled. And so here's the word I have. I, uh, yesterday, I was just like, there's, there's a key to this thing. And I told Deborah I, I don't know what the key is to this message. And then coming down here last night, he told me, he said, the settled man, the settled woman, owns their life. And that's the word of the Lord right there. They're not renting life. They're not road testing life. Well, let me drive that car, or let me drive this one and see which one I like. They're not road testing life. They're not asking for a warranty for their life that says, somebody's responsible for why my life is this way. I need them to pay. I need them to, to ante up. I need them to come and console me. Nope, the settled man, he owns it. He owns his marriage. He owns his children. He owns his church. He owns his job. He owns his house. You go, well, does that mean we can't ever move? Of course not. I've moved twice since I've been to Tuscaloosa. I'm in my third house. But he came on me and said, it's time for you to move. Every car I've bought, he came on one of us and said, because we were settled. We'll drive this thing till the, the horseshoes fall off or whatever. Wasn't looking, wasn't looking. But he came on us. He said, it's time to believe me for a new car. 
And then he, the last time he said, it's time for you to believe me to move into another house. Now, you may not believe that. It doesn't matter to me because I believe it. And it served me well. So I'm not renting my life. I'm not renting thinking, you know, when the lease is up, we might do this or that. I'm owning my life. I'm very secure in my life, and I know exactly what I'm going to do with my life because I've settled it. Now, if he wants to add to it or alter it or, or modify it, I'm all in. I'm not rebellious. But until further notice, nothing's changing. And that's what you've got to be. That's what you've got to have. The settled man, the, common, the uncommon man, the exceptional woman, they have to own their life. There's lots of facets. There's lots of parts of life you've got to own. And you've got to own them all. Because everything that you don't own, that you're not settled on, has a yucky feeling to it. Yeah. Has an uncertainty. And you know, if you get too much salt in the, in the cake, it's not just one side of the cake that's salty. Doggone, the whole thing tastes bad. And if you get unsettled in any part of your life, your marriage, your money, your whatever, whatever, there's lots of parts to life. Your friends. I, I've been unsettled with friends before. And I, I, that's, it's a yucky feeling. And you just, you, but it spills over into every area of your life. And you, you find yourself where things were settled, they're a little uppy, uppy downy. You don't, you know, and, and you lose that. Dr. Cole says, I love this, say, he says, decision is the place of power. Would you say it with me? Decision is the place of power. Choosing, choosing releases a grace to do what you choose. Choosing, deciding, decision, releases power to do the decision. Now, what we want to do is we want the giants to be gone, the walled cities to be down, and we want to just go in and says, I choose what God says. And everything looks good. But that's not how it works. You choose to say, God said, the land that flows with milk and honey. He said, this is for us, so we're going in. It doesn't really matter if they don't have chocolate or whatever. Well, it doesn't really matter because we choose. And then the power comes, the grace comes to consummate that decision. But if you're holding back on choosing, it's like, I got options here. Sure you do. Until you settle it, you do. But, you, until, but once you settle it, all the power of heaven, it's called faith, but all that power comes and brings that decision to pass. Boy, that sounds easy. But hardly anybody gets that. They want it to be easy, and then they're going to possess the land. They want the giants to be locked up or in the ground. Or they're not going in. So there's never any power to go in. So they live outside the blessings of the Lord. Tell me when I'm doing good. This, this is the truth. Faith, you spell faith, R-I-S-K. That's how faith is spelled. And so you've got to make a decision. With nothing, nothing really lining up. Just that he said. He said, I could have what I say. I'm saying. So, uh, uh, why do people consider divorce? Well, let's just analyze that just for a second in this light. Because they're common and they're conventional. They're not uncommon because we all have reason. Now, just bear with me. 
we've all had reason or we thought we had reason to end this thing or at least consider that, you know, what would this be like if we did end it? But all they're doing is weighing their feelings. Well, when we first got married, she did this for me and she cooked this and she, she, but now it's like, well, it's different. I'm thinking about some stuff. That's feelings. And you will not change your feelings and you will not change your situation until you choose, till you decide. This is my woman. It doesn't matter. I'm in it. I'm settled. And that's the end of it. Well, I tell you what, it'll make you a lot happier. Now, when I, when I got married, I, I, I knew some, I knew a lot, and, and I won't go into all that, but uh, uh, I did make the decision up front. I just settled it, and I said, I like what she cooks. I like how she fixes the house. I like her jokes. I, I like this woman. I just decided. I didn't wait to see how they were or if I liked it. I liked everything, and I chose it. And I'm telling you, I've had the most amazing three and something years because of that. Now, I wrote down here, this is interesting. It says, you cannot be blessed by what you curse. So if you curse your job, there's no way blessings coming through that job. You may get a paycheck, but it won't be a blessing. If you curse your marriage, you curse your kids. Sorry, little buzzards. Well, yeah, they are. They're yours, but you're not going to get blessed by them, even if they don't hear a word you say. Why do people backslide? I wrote down, looking for a better offer of living. They're always looking for a better offer. Well, until you get in faith, you're not going to get a better offer. You're just shopping around. You go to the cereal aisle... Do you want checks? You want Cheerios? You want Cocoa Puffs? You want, uh, you want this or that or that? It's all cereal. And when you pour the milk on it and, and eat it, after two bites, you swallow it. And it didn't matter what it was. But we just, we just labor over that. And life's the same way. It doesn't matter if you've got a pepperoni pizza or a sausage pizza. It's just pizza. Life is just pizza. You just <laughs> choose to like it. And then it turns into what you choose. Now, that's the truth. It chooses. When you say, my life is a blessing, my wife is a blessing, my job is a blessing, my grandkids, my kids, well, grandkids, they're a blessing. Hallelujah. <laughs> ah, so you've got to decide. I'm going to end it with this, pretty much. You've got to decide you're going to have an exceptional life. You've got to decide that you're going to serve God. You, don't, you and I do not have a right to leave a church because we don't like the pastor. Dear Lord, who liked all of their school teachers? I had a cranky sixth grade math teacher. But I didn't quit him, and I got through. And you did too. And, and now I don't, if the Lord says, it's time. And you wait a year to confirm it. How long? The Bible says that if the fruit's not producing, dig and dung for a year. And then if it doesn't produce fruit, chop it down. There's none of this three-week trial business. 
And I'm not talking about just church. I'm talking about everything. You can't, you can't do, you can't move things, you can't flinch without time because emotions, there's a shelf life to emotions. And what you're madder and thunder about this month, you don't remember last month. I've had people get real mad at me. Church and family and all that stuff. I just outlast them because they can't remember why they're mad at me in just a couple of months. They don't remember. They just say, oh, there's the guy we hate. wonder why we hate him. And then the next month or two, they don't even remember they hate me. There, there's that guy we know. I'm telling you, don't do anything. Your emotions are in charge until you settle it down. Till you settle down inside, don't do anything. Because he'll, now listen, he'll give you plenty of time. If it's God, he gives you, he starts, he knows it takes you three months, he'll just give you three months in advance. We took a year to move from West Texas. And finally we went to a prayer meeting, and it was a home prayer meeting the whole week, and, and uh, she said, uh, God, we got to settle this. I'm tired of being unsettled. It'll be, it's been a year, and we're going to settle it this week. We went to a prayer meeting in one of our church members' homes, and the word of the Lord came that says, Separate unto me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereinto I have called them. That's Acts 13. There it is. We were settled. The word of the Lord came. It's time to go. Well, you go, well, did you miss it 12 months? Nope, he gave us 12 months to work on this because... You know, the Lord knows a lot of stuff. He kind of looks ahead and peeks around and says, I know how this is going to turn out. So decide your marriage is milk and honey. You go, well, I will when she acts better. Ah, you're done. You're done. Because you'll set the bar where she can never act better. He'll never be good enough because you'll always set the bar if you're waiting to stay based on the bar. You just, you just decide. She's cranky. And I don't like her, her stew, but I love that woman. Bless God, and I love that stew, actually. I love that stew. Can we have another bowl of stew, please? And I'm telling you, it'll be the best stew you ever had. I'm telling you all some really smart things here. The Lord is really going to help us. Is life fair? Are you going to wait till life gets fair? <laughs> Long wait, because life is not fair. The way you make life fair is to get in faith. You're going to go through it or you're going to go over it. And faith will make you go over it. Your, your money's not fair because of what they did to you at the job. It doesn't matter. He said men will give unto you. Good measure, praise God. It doesn't matter. Job is not even in the Bible in the sense of, of how God supplies. It's just one way. Isn't Jesus wonderful? So I'm an uncommon man, we, uh, or I'm an ex exceptional woman. Well, how come? Because I choose to be. I put the Lord Jesus on. I put the Lord Jesus on. I put him on. If I don't put him on, I'm on. And I'm telling you, it's pitiful when I'm on. And it's wonderful when I put, so I choose. I'm not waiting for life to get fair. I'm not waiting for people's uh, uh, attitude to change before I like them. I'm not looking for them to do better or whatever. I just put it on. Yay. Yay. So thank you for tuning in this morning. 
If you're in the Tuscaloosa area, we want to invite you to come to River Church. We're here and you'll get a blessing. We'll pray for you. We'll lay hands on you and it'll change your life. God bless you.